You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, welcome to the program. Hour one on this Wednesday. Dan and the Dan at Dan Patrick Show. Charles Barkley will stop by in about 15 minutes. Guy Fieri. It's a trip to Flavortown. Triple D. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. will join us coming up a little bit later on. We'll check in with the Green Bay Packers as well. We got some drama. Again, off-season drama with the Green Bay Packers. Boys are here, ready to go. Boys in the back, thank you for showing up. And we're ready to go full speed ahead. You can watch, if you like, on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Also, dial us up, 877-3DP-SHOW. And, of course, listen on the 362 radio affiliates around the country and the powerful Fox Sports radio lineup. Maybe it's because everybody's talking about the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, that lately we've been... I guess stumbling upon this reoccurring theme, it's not easy being the GOAT. You look at Michael Jordan, the GM Jerry Krause broke up Jordan's Bulls. Tom Brady left the Patriots for the Buccaneers. He wanted to have fun again. And now we're seeing signs of turmoil in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Now, not that Rodgers is the GOAT, but widely viewed as maybe the most talented quarterback we've seen. Not the greatest, but certainly one of the most talented of all time. People were shocked when the Packers took another quarterback, Jordan Love, and you took him in the first round and you traded up to get him and you had other needs on this team. Now there's a couple of reports that head coach Matt LaFleur may have wanted to send Aaron Rodgers a message. It's hard to believe, but if we've learned anything in the uh, offseason, even this month, the best players aren't untouchable. The Bulls did it to Michael Jordan, Brady and Belichick and the Patriots. Joe Montana with the 49ers. You can run down the list. There are teams that say, we're bigger than you. Not always the case, but we're certainly going to be watching the Packers' sideline this season with the rodgers LaFleur dynamic. Now, keep this in mind. Last year, in the offseason, what did we talk about? In August, we talked about mm, Rodgers and LaFleur. We're here and there's some unrest. They're not clicking there. Then they go 13-3. and three. I'm guessing the relationship was pretty good when they went 13-3. and three. So you had the previous year, you know, Rodgers from former teammate, he's not a leader. And then all of a sudden, when you go 13-3, and three, I'm guessing he's a good leader. I don't know. Here we are again. Now we possibly have turmoil. They want to send... Okay. Who is Matt LaFleur to send a freaking message to Aaron Rodgers? Maybe Rodgers thinks he's bigger than what he is. And I'm guessing, yeah, he probably does. But Matt LaFleur, if this is true, is when he wants to send a message to Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry, I didn't I thought it was called the Lombardi trophy, not the LaFleur trophy. What are we what are we doing here? Gonna send him a message by drafting a quarterback. Okay. If if you want to send him a message, why didn't you send a message and not give him a hundred million dollars? You gave him a contract. Did it just sneak up on you in Green Bay? This is who Aaron is. He hasn't changed. This is his personality. He's not the easiest guy to be around. Now, I like him. I I understand his personality, but I've been around him, played golf with him. I I get it. And I'm not, you know, a sycophant where I'm going to stick up for Aaron Rodgers. At some point, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to say something about this. But I don't know what it's like inside that locker room. I do know that there have been players who have come forward to say Aaron is different or it's all about Aaron. 
Yeah, he's not a great leader. I get all of those things. But I, 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 Matt LaFleur is not the guy sending him. And even the GM. What has he done that says, hey, we're going to send a message to him? Then don't bring him back in the first place. And are you going to try to be like the 49ers so you use a draft pick on a quarterback in the first round? You draft a running back. You draft a fullback. Last I looked, the Niners are still running on that defense. If you're going to do something, maybe you bulk up the defense. Okay, we're not going to get him any uh, wide receivers. We're going to build our team in the form of the 49ers. So at least that's the feeling I get. Like, what? So you're going to try to be like the Niners? You're not going to be the Niners. Like, the Niners are this way because they don't have Aaron Rodgers. They got Jimmy Garoppolo. That's what. The, that's why you have a running game. When you don't, the Colts had a good running game. Why they didn't trust Jacoby Brissett? It. It's maybe. Maybe this is nothing. Maybe this is nothing. But uh, you know, Tom Silverstein, the Packers news reporter, he uh, talked about this. Brian Gutekunst, the uh, GM. Chip LaFleur's hand on what this season would look like by drafting a running back, A.J. Dillon, who I do like, an H-back. They also drafted an offensive lineman, a couple of offensive linemen. The running game is going to be a big part of the offense, like it is with the Niners or the Rams. And last I looked, Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Bob McGinn, who's been around the Packers for decades, and he uh, writes for The Athletic, According to Bob McGinn of The Athletic, the Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur, has grown tired of Rodgers' act and passive-aggressive style. How long has he been there? Public niceties aside, my sense is LaFleur, fresh from a terrific 13-3 baptismal season, simply had enough of Rodgers' act and wanted to change the narrative. I don't care how big of an ass my star player is. If I go 13-3 and and I'm in the NFC title game... With first-round talent on the rosters, the Packers would gain leverage with their imperial quarterback and his passive-aggressive style, the report wrote. If the Packers do indeed want to become a running team next season, they surely wouldn't want Rodgers rocking the boat and becoming even more difficult to coach. Rodgers, at age 36, is coming off a season where he threw for 4,000 yards, he threw 26 touchdowns, he he threw four interceptions. That's a bad year for Aaron Rodgers. That's it. That, that's one of his worst seasons ever. And maybe they look at this and go, now I said this all season long. I don't know how good they are. And even at 13-3, and three, I didn't think they were 13-3 and three team. But they won. I think they took advantage of some situations there. Uh, and look, they did what they were supposed to do. They got to the NFC title game. They were no match for the San Francisco 49ers. But instead of saying... Let's counter what the Niners do so well if you think you're going to match up with them. And let's bulk up our defense. How about our running, our run defense? That would have been the approach I would have thought of. Jordan Love doesn't help you this year. So that's the message you're sending. You're going to make sure that Aaron doesn't rock the boat. You're going to draft Jordan Love, much to the detriment of the team the next two years. Aaron Rodgers, unless he gets injured, is your starting quarterback the next two years. Because you have invested so much money in him. But all of a sudden, people are surprised that Aaron Rodgers has this prickly personality or it's about him. 
It is about him. Have you seen the offensive weapons you've given him? Aaron Rodgers is not the problem. Look for the problems and solve the problems. Now, if you're saying we need to get control back from Aaron Rodgers, okay. Why did you sign him to the extension? You could have traded him and probably got a hold on. That would have been a, a, a more sound business move as you move. Jordan Love is not going to help you for a couple of years at best. And maybe he doesn't help you at all. Is that so they were dead? They were drafting a quarterback. My intel said the Packers were going to get a quarterback. Okay, you got a quarterback, but you're going to send a message there. In 2013, Tom Brady had an 87.3 rating, lowest since 2003. The Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo to send a message. Over the next four seasons, Brady's quarterback rating, 103 and two Super Bowls. Nice message sent. And I thought at the time, okay, maybe what's happening is they want to say to Aaron, hey, we want you angry. We want you upset. We want you fired up to come in here. Okay. Like I was, I, I just said, all right, if that's what your message is with him. Could you say it to his face and draft a wide receiver? Could you just bring him in and say, like, do I have to send you a, you're talking about him being passive aggressive. Right, right. Aren't the Packers passive aggressive with what they just did? If you don't talk to him. So that's the passive part. You don't talk to him. And then the aggressive part is. We're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, I think you're taking the wrong side here. I looked up the stats. Uh, Matt LaFleur, as a head coach, has a career winning percentage of 81%. That's the greatest in NFL history. Yeah, he's 13 and three. Yeah, well, it's one season. But I know, you know, we painted him to be a genius because he worked with the Rams, painted him to be a genius because he was with the Titans. Like, Okay, that, that doesn't mean you have the collateral where you walk in and go, we got to send a message to this guy. Last I looked, every genius, all these geniuses, head coaches, had quarterbacks. Bill Walsh is a genius. When you got Joe Montana and Steve Young, boy, that helps being a genius. Andy Reid is a genius now. You know why? Because he's got Patrick Mahomes. If you're going to be a genius, chances are Phil Jackson's a genius. He got Michael and Scotty and Shaq and Kobe. He wasn't a genius when he got to the Knicks somehow. Too soon. Yeah. Strange how that happens. But uh, all right, there you go. That's how we start the show. And I and I, I know that I probably sound apologetic for Aaron Rodgers. He's a big boy. He can do what he needs to do. And, you know, maybe he uses this to his advantage. I, but I, I just, you're sending a message. And look, I respect these reporters. You know, Bob McGinn has been around for decades covering the Packers. I respect it. It feels like you got the same source there you got the same source who's giving that information to these you know writers who are you know maybe it's one of those hey let's leak some stuff out here to let him know you know we need Aaron to comply with what we want to do so you got what I've been told I've been beaten over the head with this for what 10 years Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback to ever play the game I've been told that reminded of that you got one Super Bowl to show for it. You don't draft any weapons in the first round for him. 
you don't have offensive skill position. You're, you're on record as not helping the greatest quarterback of all time. And the argument I get back is, well, if he's the greatest quarterback of all time, he should be able to do this on his own and we can, you know, we can draft players and fill in other holes. It's nice you keep drafting cornerbacks, which, okay, that's great. The reason why you lost to the Niners, they ran down your throats. So Aaron Rodgers, put the blame on him all you want, but it feels like if you start to point fingers, you might have to point some fingers inward with what's going on with the Green Bay Packers. This Mother's Day, no matter what the distance is between you, there's still a way to make every mom feel loved. 1-800-Flowers. Right now, get 24 multicolored roses, $39.99. To order, go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on the radio icon and enter the promo code Patrick. Maybe Aaron Rodgers can call 1-800-Flowers and send some flowers to Matt LaFleur just to see if he can patch things up here. Passive-aggressively, of course. McLovin, you got a poll question for me. Yes, and I do want to point out Le Fleur, as I believe, translates to the flower in French. Oh, well See done, Andy. Yes, well yeah. done. So, poll question. I want to ask, is Aaron Rodgers the Packers quarterback in two years? Is that the time frame? I'm not sure what the time frame is or what, I mean, whatever the contract is with the NFL contracts, you can usually get out of it. What's the, what, how would you word that poll question? Run it by me again, because I think Rodgers, they're locked into Rodgers unless he gets hurt the next two years. Just contractually and salary cap wise the third year it's a little more user friendly for the Packers if can you believe we're talking about this that all of a sudden the Packers are ready to move on from the like what's dumber you sign him to this deal and you you don't like his passive aggressive style and or that you draft a quarterback in the first round to send a message to him like it it's just it it seems so counterproductive yeah McLevin have there been great quarterbacks though that you kind of have to force to rely on the running game? That's what I feel like. Maybe this is like Rogers doesn't want to. He audibles out of run plays. He doesn't want to do a running game, but they kind okay. of have to force him. Okay, to. but just help me understand this. This is the by far, by far, the greatest touchdown to interception ratio yeah. of any quarterback in the history mm-hmm. of the sport. Not even close. I got a guy who does something extremely well. Wouldn't I want to continue to have him do something extremely well like the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes? Well, they, they, their problem is they have to slow the game down so the Niners don't get the ball back. They have to move slow. How about they improve their defense? The best way to improve the defense is a running game. You've said that before. That's a direct quote from Dan Patrick. Uh, well, it would help if you played defense too. Like you can have a great running game. If you don't play in defense, it doesn't matter. You can't have Mostert running for 30 yards a play? No. That's not good? No, no. That That is probably not going to be sustainable if you're going to try to beat the Niners. I don't even know if the Packers are better than, I mean, the Cowboys. There's a few teams. Are they better than the Buccaneers going into this? I have no idea. We make it seem like, or it, it appears that, hey, the Packers are gearing up to beat the Niners. Okay. Well, good luck with the other teams you might face. you got a friendly schedule. I think a third place schedule. You went thirteen and three. I, I didn't think they were formidable, but they, you know, they got through the playoffs. They met the Niners, and Niners were a better team. But I don't know if we look back on this next off season and then bring this up, you know, after the Packers go ten and six and you know go to the second round of the playoffs or something. You know, because Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, I don't know about this. Now, I get it. Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, they that was an issue. But I think that got to the point where 
you know, we're tired of each other. And you know what? You don't make me better, and apparently I don't make you better, and I think we need to go, or you need to go. And Mike McCarthy going to Dallas was best for him and probably best for Aaron Rodgers. Yes, McLovin. Did you sneak in a pro-Cowboy statement there and think that we weren't going to notice I that? Know, Whoa. I know. I know. God, I think you like their draft. I'm falling. I did. I, you know, I've, I, I have this crush on the Cowboys. Did you notice on my desk here? I put the Cowboys, that helmet I got when I was on vacation that's made out of fish bones. I, I, I put that on my desk. I go, what am I doing? Like I'm, you know, when you put a picture out of a girlfriend or something, I mean, that's what I did. I'm falling in love with the Cowboys. Who goes farther next season? Packers, Cowboys, Tampa. You're Tampa mm, team. Saucy. Mm, Throw the Seahawks thanks. in there. Mm. Huh, because of Russell Wilson Jr., the third. Uh-huh. Well, I have to throw the Niners. Unless we are, the Niners, still, they did pretty well in the offseason. Yes, McLovin. Remember when I was trying to tout the Rams? I don't know after the draft. Has anyone talked about them in weeks? No, they haven't. What did they do in the draft? Um, I don't know. But they got a genius as a head coach, and that's all you need. Can we, how about the Eagles in that poll, too, by the way? Well, I don't know. Maybe they're sending a message. They're definitely sending Maybe a they're sending a message, Carson Wentz. All right, Charles Barkley is set to join us. And uh, he just zoomed in. We'll talk to Charles Barkley coming up next. It's 18 after the hour. Just getting started. Glad you're part of the program. Dan and the Dan. It's Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR. We'll get to your phone calls on the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. A couple of articles that came out yesterday. Apparently, there's some tension there. Aaron's passive-aggressive nature. They want to send a message to Aaron Rodgers. They draft Jordan Love. More of that uh, coming up. We'll check in with the Packers coming up in the second hour. Guy Fieri on loan from Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Big Raiders fan will join us coming up in the final hour of the program. Charles Barkley, Hall of Famer inside the NBA on TNT, joining us. And, uh, whoa, what do you got in the background there? Is that your man cave? Uh, This is my man cave, my gym, and my bar. Uh, So I got a bunch of stuff in my bar in my workout room from the Dream Team. This is actually – I got this to, uh, all assigned by the original Dream Team from 92. It's one of my most prized possessions. Isaiah Thomas's autograph is not on that, right? It is not. <laughs> it is, it, it, you know what? It probably should be, but it is not. Okay. I asked Reggie Miller. Can we get this out of the way? I asked Reggie Miller on Monday. I said, do you think Michael said to the commissioner, I'll do the Dream Team, but Isaiah doesn't get to play? I don't have any idea about that, uh, to be honest with you, Dan. Uh, But, you know, I've I've told Isaiah, who I really like a lot, that was never presented to me in a, like, hey, do you want Isaiah on the team? So I have heard the rumors. I don't know what's true and what's not true. Uh, So uh, I just don't know the answer to your question. But that was never presented to me. Was it true that Isaiah froze out Michael or tried to in the All-Star game? Telling. I wasn't in that All-Star game. I know, but I'm asking you. <laughs> hey, I, I don't know the answer to. Uh-oh. We just that lost. Question. It. Okay. okay. 40 years in the NBA band. It's crazy. You think that's crazy that he would have tried to freeze out Michael in the All-Star game? 
Yeah, I think it okay. would be crazy. I don't. I don't think you could get every. I mean, because first of all, you got to get all the guys to agree to that. So I don't believe that at all. Is that Shaq's shoe over your shoulder? Uh, Mitch Richmond, this is the second dream team. Uh, this is second dream team. The stuff I got on the wall, the stuff on the original dream team, other than this flag I got here, because people might steal this. <laughs> they won't steal this stuff. I got the original Dream Team stuff. Other than this flag, uh, I got that stuff here. I got a Magic uh, Johnson uh, practice jersey that I stole. Uh, I got a Michael Jordan practice jersey that I stole. <laughs> uh, but the, but the, all that stuff is here. Uh, did you sit down for the Jordan documentary? I did. And what was the to- what were the topics that they uh, broached with you? Uh, I actually don't remember, Dan. It was done like pretty much a year ago, so I really don't remember what we talked about. Did you have any beef with Michael? Never. Me and Michael always been cool. Uh, he was always like a brother to me, uh, and he treated me great. Uh, obviously, that's changed now, but um, the documentary has been – I don't think there's anything shocking in there, to be honest with you. Well, I think I that think- we looked at Jer- – Jerry Krause was the villain – and then it, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, no, no. He was portrayed as the villain because you know at the end because he took it apart. He didn't take that apart. Anybody think that's a fool? That thing was all orchestrated by Jerry Reinsdorf. The notion that that little man broke up the Bulls is <laughs> asinine and absurd. Hey, listen, John. If you go back and look at the and, and use common sense, just use plain common sense. Jerry Reinsdorf broke up the Bulls because he didn't want to pay anybody. You think about this. He let Horace Grant grow because he became a free agent and didn't want to pay him. They probably won't talk about that in the documentary. That's why he left and went to Orlando. He only paid Michael the last two years. Yeah. When he had Michael at a bargain, he was happy. So he didn't want to pay Michael. He paid him those last two years. And he had Scotty under a great deal. That's the reason he broke up the Bulls, strictly because of money. But to try to make Jerry Cross to be the bad guy, I thought that was very disingenuous by Jerry Reinsdorf. I agree. After I watched that documentary, those first two episodes, I came in on Monday and I said, why is it that Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, has no blood on his hands in this? Well, because he's a, that's the way he is. He's the solid assassin. He's my man from that movie, The Professional. You come in and kill you, and you don't even know you're dead until it's over. <laughs> And Jerry Krause isn't around to defend himself. That that was what, you know, he, he helped build that team, and then it felt like he was Yoko yeah, yeah, Ono you know, blaming listen, him for the breakup of the Beatles. It doesn't even matter if he was around. Number one, rest in peace. But the notion that Jerry Krause broke up the Bulls, Dan, come on, man. If, if Jerry Reinsdorf wanted the Bulls to stay together, they would have stayed together. I mean, for somebody to take Jerry Krause all of all of a sudden became a hand and broke up the bull. I think that is just stupid. Dan, did you not pay your bill? I, I, I think it's your bill. Dan, I haven't spent money on anything in like two months. <laughs> I got plenty of it. <laughs> what are you doing at home? Like, How do you pass the time? Well, the good thing, I'm back in Arizona. So I started a regiment where I work out twice a day. Nice. I play golf. I play golf three week, three days a week. I can only drink on Friday and Saturday. Uh, so it's been. I've been trying to do. That's all I could do. 
you know, I love to drink, but I know I could not drink every day. So I quit drinking except on Friday and Saturday. I got a big golf match today with a bunch of the Coyote hockey players. Uh, we play about three days a week. We got like a Ryder Cup format. So today's a big day in the Barkley uh, golf world. <laughs> Talking to Charles Barkley, the Hall of Famer, joining us, Dan Patrick Show. Uh, the Isaiah Thomas uh, looks like an apology tour here about not shaking hands with the Bulls. Uh, I, my reaction with that, Chuck, was own it. You're the Bulls. You were the bad boys. Who cares if you didn't shake Mike's hand? I'm like, I, I just didn't. I like Lane Beer's approach. He's like, yeah, I, I don't I, We didn't. Uh, they were it, whiners. Uh, we didn't want to shake their hands. Uh, first of all, they were wrong. They should have shook their hands. Uh, so they should have did that. You know, the thing that was amazing, if you go back when I saw that, even after they had beat the hell out of Michael, he shook their hands. Yep. I mean, I'm not sure if guy had beat me to a pulp three years in a row, I'd shake their hands, but Michael went up to their hands, went up to them and shook their hands and said, congratulations. Listen, the Pistons were wrong. I think we've all did things in our life that we would like to go back. The Pistons were wrong, and I, I, first of all, they let this thing get out of hand. If they just had a said, and I love Isaiah. I love working with him. I like him a lot. He he, he probably gets uh, the least amount of respect out of all the great players in NBA history. But all they had to do to put out this brush fire is, hey, we, we were wrong. We should have shook their hands. You can't let this thing simmer and let the media and let all these idiots on uh, <laughs> on uh, on some net. Not you, Dan. You know who I'm talking about. You can't let these idiots on other networks. When I say idiots, you know what I mean Skip Bayless. Um, <laughs> you can't let idiots and fools like that yeah. just throw gasoline on the fire. Isaiah, who I love, should have just said, hey, we were wrong, and this thing would have been over. Yeah, my point was you're known as the bad boys. Okay, you didn't shake Mike's hand. So what? Mike was the yeah, but Mike shook their hand. I know Dan. Mike was the bigger man with that, Chuck. Yeah, I, but you know what, Dan? You can't just shake people's hands when you win. That was the bad thing about it. I know they're wrong, Chuck. I know they're wrong. But you're the bad boys. The way you played was wrong. They beat no, up. No, it, I, yes, I, it was. They, they, yes, no, it they, was. They, they beat they, up my. Look at the video of what they did to Jordan. That wasn't no, real basketball. That was the rules, though. Oh, uh, well, that, I, it, was a, it was a shame that David Stern allowed the Knicks and the Pistons to play that kind of basketball. The Miami Heat did Yeah, it. Miami Heat did, too. Okay. You're right. Yeah, it hey, was listen, bad basketball. You know what? They had a heck of a team. They had a bunch of good players. I mean, obviously, uh, Joe Dumars and Isaiah are great, great players. Yep. And Dennis was a hell of a player. But they still had Benny Johnson. Lambert was a good little player. Uh, I mean, uh, Sally was a good player. James Edwards. I mean, they had a good team. They had a great team. They had a yes. great – they had an underrated team. I said that we just didn't like that style, but that team was a great team. You had a Hall of Fame coach. You had Hall of Famers with – Rodman was unbelievable back then. That that version of Dennis was incredible. Yes, Agreed. Uh, you didn't have any run. Well, you had run in with Lane Beer. You you were gonna fight him, or didn't you throw yeah, you punches? Mean, if you mean punched him in the head, yes, <laughs> I did. Yes, you know what's really funny about that? About you know, you know what's really funny about that uh, uh, Pistons team? Only two guys on that team could fight: Isaiah and Joe Dumars. Like Rodman couldn't fight. 
Sally couldn't fight. Mahorn couldn't fight. <laughs> Lambert couldn't fight. I mean, <laughs> now, Benny Johnson. Benny Johnson and James Edwards, they, they fight. But the, the main four guys I just mentioned, none of them could fight a lick. <laughs> but they were – Lane Beer was always starting. He was an instigator there. He was – go back and look at all the highlights. He was always getting punched in the head. <laughs> that does not mean you were an inst- – that doesn't mean you got punched in the head. Seriously, Dan, go back and look at all the highlights. No, he Charles, always- he started the fight. He didn't yeah. end the fight. That's exactly right. Just because you get punched in the face does not mean you started a fight. That means you just got punched in the face. Oh, he's slim and he's sexy. Joining us from his man cave, Charles Barkley. You'd look good. I'm happy for you. I'm glad. I am not going to complain because, man, I just want to shout out to all the first responders out there, all the nurses and all the doctors who are, you know, normally unless you're a cop or a farmer, you don't have to risk your life every day. But I just feel so, I, just, I just feel sad on so many fronts. I mean, like I say, the first responders, but all these people who are in the restaurant business who are going to lose their job, who have lost their jobs, yeah. and yeah. are going to lose their jobs because yeah. even when this pandemic is over, a lot of these restaurants are number one. People are not going to have money to go there and eat, but also people are going to be afraid going to be afraid to congregate. So this thing is going to be catastrophic for a lot of people uh, in the in the restaurant industry. So my thoughts are with them. So I'm not going to complain at all. I mean, yes, I'm bored. Uh, I'm not even worried about the NBA coming back. I'm not worried about college, uh, the NHL coming back. I'm not worried about football. I'm just worried about the big picture because, man, the most important thing, how are we going to do this and keep anybody safe? Man, I, I I don't know how you can do it and keep people safe. Yeah, I just don't see fans coming back, being able to come back until Oh, oh Dan, right? Dan. That's that's gone out the window. That's not even we shouldn't even be discussing that. There's no fans coming to sporting events if we start playing again. That ain't got that's got zero chance of happening. My concern is how are we going to get – I mean, obviously the three most important sports right now, because football got some time. Hockey, which I love the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA playoffs, and Major League Baseball. How are we going to keep the players safe? I mean, uh, and people who going to be around. Yeah. Because let me tell you something. I was talking to my lawyer. He says, if you guys – get one of these people sick and they die or one of these players die legally, we're going to be up a Creek. Yep. Uh, I'll leave you with this. The report came out that Michael Jordan decided to do this documentary. He had all this footage and they said that they won't release it. NBA entertainment will not release it until Michael says that they can release it. He said no for decades. Then on the day LeBron wins the championship you know Clint, he's in Cleveland and Michael says he talks, tells the producer okay let's do this do you think that's just a coincidence or maybe it's Mike's way of saying let me remind some people and inform a new generation of just how damn good I was well I don't know the answer to that question but there's a couple things about this documentary number one when just looking at Michael talking to Roy Williams, talking about, I'm a nobody that's going to work harder than me, uh, and nobody ever has. 
And to uh, and then when he wanted to come back and play with a broken foot, and Jerry says, no, you're going to risk your career. And he just wanted to play. And I wish the number one thing that these young players today get out of this documentary, you can have all the followers you want. You can make all the money you want. The most important thing is being the best player. That's what I hope these young guys get out of this. But let me ask to finish up with this. What he went through against the Bulls, that's what makes me – that's what, to me, makes him the greatest player ever. Uh, no disrespect to Kobe, because Kobe's the closest I've seen to, to Michael. No disrespect to LeBron, who's an amazing man, number one, an amazing player. But to get beat down like that and keep coming back, that was that reminded me, like, why I think this dude is the greatest basketball player ever. I mean, because – the way they play the NBA today, Dan, and I'm not the old get-off-my-long guy. And you said it earlier. What they did to that dude three yeah. years in a row, uh, for him to keep coming back, well, that that's what make him the GOAT. Okay, back to my question. Do you think, Michael, this was a calculated move on the day LeBron wins the championship, he decides – to do it, let, allow them to do a documentary on the last year of the Bulls. How the hell am I going to know I that? I just man? ask you. I know you don't know everything, but you know Michael is the most competitive guy you've ever been around, and that it, to me it was Michael saying, "Yeah, you know, LeBron's won another title here. Maybe I, you know, let me just put this out there and just let people just remind them of how great I was." Well, let me tell you something. If that was his goal, we are reminded. <laughs> I know. And, and, and let me tell you something, Dan. <laughs> as, a, as, a person, as a person who lived the Jordan era, uh, listen, man, uh, I can say, I'm not trying to be the old guy. You're watching these highlights bring back some serious, some serious memories how great this guy was. Uh, I mean, it's, it's incredible to relive it. Uh, it's incredible to relive it. I mean, I know it's old and have a long time ago. You know what Reggie Miller said to me, Chuck? He What's said that? if he – I said, what would happen if you ran into Jordan? And he goes, I'm, I might want to punch him. I might hug him or punch him. Reggie still has – he really had a hard time. Like, it was sports trauma. After watching those first two episodes, he was, like, still mad at Jordan. <laughs> like for for their relationship, their rivalry. Well, you know, I saw some guys try to make a big deal out of uh, Michael playing golf with Danny Ainge one day. Yeah, and I and, and see these young guys don't get it. We're not mad about them playing golf together. We're mad about them all teaming up together. That ain't the same. <laughs> that ain't the same. Yeah, we've all played golf at different times. <laughs> But we ain't never said, hey, man, let's get together and dominate the league. That's what the different aspect of being friends with guys is. We ain't never all got together and said, let's dominate the league. Uh, that's good. I'm glad you're healthy and uh, you know, good hey, luck Dan, in quarantine. I miss you, man. You guys be safe. Yep. Keep, your, keep your distance and bless all y'all, man. One of these days, we're doing the show from the Barkley Estates. Hey, uh, you know, I changed the name. I make it a compound now because I oh, got a basketball oh, oh. and tennis. Yeah, I got a basketball and tennis court now in the backyard, Dan. You don't use so, either one of those. 
Well, I got a putting green, too. And you don't use that either. Oh, I practice my putting every day now, Dan. <laughs> Good. Hey, Good. you're welcome at the compound anytime, I brother. like that. And do you have bunk beds? So when I bring out the Danettes that... Dan, <laughs> I got hey hey I got a guest house on my yeah, property. Yeah, I like it. I yes, like it. I got a guest house. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. And that's Charles Barkley. We'll take a break. Play of the day. Your phone calls coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon Eastern, six to nine Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio, and you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR, or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. A couple of phone calls. Royal in Iowa leads us off. Hi, Royal. Hello. Great to talk to you. Enjoyed the interview with Charles Barkley. And uh, yesterday here in uh, Sioux City, Iowa, a local retired journalist brought up uh, a story about Wilt Chamberlain from his mentor they used to write down in Kansas City. And, uh, kind of knew the Wilt Chamberlain story and everything. And Wilt Chamberlain was uh, asked who was the greatest of all time. And, of course, like any great athlete, Wilt said he was. And he went on to compare himself to Michael Jordan. This was uh, not long before Wilt had passed on. I believe it was in the late 90s. Anyway, Wilt said he could out vertical jumping. I think Wilt said he did 50 inches, which I didn't know that. That's not true. and, and well, Will was an all-American high jumper, you know. I know and, he played volleyball. No, I know his whole. I know his whole story here, Royal. But no, Will not fifty inches at seven foot one. No, the the greatest leapers of all time. Nobody's got fifty inch vertical leap. You know, but yeah, Wilt was great uh, in his era. He was great, absolutely, but. Today, that style, you know, he he would not be anywhere near what he once was. In his generation, he was great. Absolutely. And you could say, was he the GOAT before Michael? No. Because Bill Russell, because he had a better team, he won more championships. Wilt did everything except for win. And that was always held against him. All these stats, it didn't matter. How did you do against Russell and the Celtics? You didn't do well at all. Uh, Charles is always fun. And, you know, the, the, the point he brings up about Jerry Krause, the GM, who was, you give him credit as the architect of building the Bulls. And then all of a sudden, we put the blame on him because he's Yoko Ono breaking up the Beatles. And, and that's not, the owner is going to make these decisions. The owner is the one who is going to be writing those checks. How is it that Jerry Reins, I don't know if he's if he's interviewed and asked about this, but if you're going to do a documentary and you're going to have Jerry Krause and Jerry's going to take the slings and arrows and he's not even around to defend himself, I have to ask the director, the producer, you got to ask Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry, you're the one that broke up the team, not Jerry Krause. Are you trying to tell me that Jerry Krause goes, hey, I don't care what you say. Uh, Mr. Reinsdorf, I'm breaking up the Chicago Bulls because you were going to have to pay Scottie Pippen some big money. Mike made $30 million. Everybody else was sort of in that $3, 4 $5 million range. Yeah, Paul. If, if you remember, Michael Jordan, like you said, made about $3 million a year most of his career. But his last two years with the Bulls, 
He made $33 million a year. Based off the Larry Bird salary cap rule, they didn't get charged the full $33 million as for, on their salary cap. It still came out of their pockets, though. It looked like they were getting a deal because they had the Michael Jordan, the Larry Bird rule on Jordan, and it didn't hurt their cap, but they still had to pay him $33 million a year. It doesn't make any sense that Krause gets... He got, he got some credit for building this, but he got all the blame for dismantling this. I just can't imagine that Jerry Krause is going to go, hey, uh, to the owner, hey, let's just uh, you know break this apart now. The owner is the one who looks at this as from the financial aspect of this. You've already got your titles here. Do you want to do it again or do you want to somehow recoup or make more money here? You know, it's a monetary decision here. But Charles is right. And I said at the time that Monday after the first two episodes, there's no blood on Jerry Reinsdorf's hands. And there should be. Second hour coming up, we'll check in with the Green Bay Packers with that drama. And Guy Fieri from Diners, Drive-Ins and Dimes will join us in the final hour. More of your phone calls coming up. Dan Patrick show after this.